Hi, my name is Kyle Bomstead and I'm a member here with Restored Church. Uh, if you're new, we want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. Uh, we believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to, so we would love the opportunity to be able to connect with you. Uh, if you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website at restoredtemecula.church and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. Uh, with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. So I was thinking about uh, Give Love and I don't know, it, it's a highlight for me personally. I love, uh, I love the opportunity to be able to partner with Jesus and the advancing of his kingdom on the earth. And I was thinking about how like, there's gonna be, does anybody know the stats? Like how many millions of people watch the, uh, the Super Bowl? It's like something crazy, right? Around the world there's like hundreds of millions of people. I have an opinion and whether you agree with it or not, that's fine. I think things like Give Love are the real Super Bowl. I think there's more eyes in heaven tuning in to the generosity, the sacrifice, the offering of God's people uh, to see more of his kingdom come on the earth in ways that they might not ever see than, uh, than a football game. As much as football's awesome, I'm not slamming uh, football. I'm just saying, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of beautiful that Give Love this year falls on the same day as the Super Bowl. And I would say that Give Love is the, is the real Super Bowl. So, all that being said, you can grab your Bible today. We're going to be in the Bible, as we typically are, obviously. Uh, you can flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. While you're doing that, uh, anybody ever had like a turning point in your life? Like big turning points, small turning points, like moments when you're like, something shifted, something changed, and you're able to cognitively recognize that shift and either the benefits that come from it or maybe the, the things that aren't so good that come from it. I was thinking about that this morning as I was preparing for this time, and I, I can remember, I don't know why it stands out to me, maybe the Spirit's in it somewhere, but uh, I remember my, my junior year, the summer going into my senior year, there was a, a kind of a unique turning point in me as a, as a, as a young man. And <clears throat> I... Uh, I grew up playing sports. My identity was so wrapped up in sports. I found my, I don't know, I just found, like, I, I felt like I could get the approval of my peers from it, so I just gave myself fully to, to athletics and stuff, and specifically basketball. But when, when I realized that I had stopped growing and I was no longer as impressive of a basketball player, I kind of shifted and to try to find some other ways to get that same kind of feeling, that same kind of approval from peers, that same validation, if you will. And... Uh, I had a friend who, who was on the water polo team. He's like, you should try water polo. And I was like, what's water polo? And so for those of you guys that don't know water polo, water polo is basically like, it's like basketball and soccer and MMA in the water, <clears throat> which is perfect for me. Uh, and so I, I, I make the water polo team as like a junior, which is kind of bizarre because I had never even played. I was a fairly strong swimmer, but I remember my junior year, if you've ever seen the uniform of a water polo player, you can imagine, it's um, you basically have a Speedo and you have this, this cap over your head that covers your ears so your ears don't get ripped off in the water. That's it. And 
I remember uh, that first year, I'm like learning the game. I don't even really know how it's played, but I'm on this team now. There's expectations of me. I have a role on this team. And I remember maybe like halfway through the year, I'm like I said, I'm still learning. I'm like, I'm barely even getting play time. I'm, I'm essentially just kind of wearing the uniform, as minimal as the uniform is. <laughs> uh, but I remember kind of going into, like the, the summer going into my senior year, so I've got one year under my belt, and I remember thinking like, do I want to keep doing this? I really, like I like it, I'm intrigued by this game. Do I want to keep at this? And I remember thinking, okay, the, the way my personality is, I have a heart, it's probably arrogance, it certainly was arrogance at the time, but I thought like, I don't want to just be the guy who just kind of wears the uniform and is on the team, but doesn't really like, that rarely gets into the game, that's just, it's, it's hard for me. And yeah, there's probably some arrogance there, certainly. But um, I remember asking myself a question like, you know, what kind of player do I want to be? And I remember thinking, man, you know what? Um, I feel like a light bulb kind of went off in my mind. Where I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of outwork people. And not for the sake of like, uh, not for the sake of just working hard, but like, I'm going to be the, like, I'm going to, I'm going to have the most endurance of anybody in the pool. So I might not be the most skilled. I I don't have any years. I have like one year of this sport under my belt. All these other guys bigger than me. They have, I played for a decade, right? And I remember thinking like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to outwork them. I'm going to be more um, strong in the water. I'm going I'm to have more endurance than them. So like after the first 10 minutes of the game, when they're starting to get tired, I'm like getting into my prime. So that's my plan. So I'm just like getting after the conditioning, right? I, I'm really like my mind, I'm going, that's going to be my like, that's how I'm going to approach this year. And I don't tell you this to, to, to make me look good or anything. I'm using this as an example of like, I remember I resolved it inside of me. That's what I was going to give myself to. That's the kind of player that I wanted to be. And something changed. Something shifted like, like, I was able to excel in the water in ways that I never really thought I could. And I remember some of my teammates were even like, dude, what happened to Tom over the summer? Like, he's more aggressive and he's more, really what had happened was I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be better at endurance, if that makes sense. When you get tired, I'm not gonna be. And that's gonna give me an advantage and I'm gonna be able to, I'm gonna be able to contribute to my team in a meaningful way other than just being another person that's sitting on the bench with that silly cap in underwear, okay? And it was this, it was this turning point in my life. It determined the kind of player I was gonna be. The reason I tell you that story, I said, like I said, is not to make me look good. I wasn't that great, guys. I wasn't, but it was a turning point in my, in, in my, in my kind of playing time in, in high school. But the reason I share that with you is because I really believe that this year... And I, might, I would even argue like today, this Sunday is a turning point in the life of our church. That might sound like a big deal. I think it is a big deal. And it's, it's around this idea of like, what kind of disciples are we going to be? A disciple is someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, operate like Jesus in every single area of life. What kind of disciple are we gonna be? Are we going to be the kind that just kind of wear the uniform? That's, you know, that's fine. That's cool. But, but rarely get into the game. Spend more time watching others. Or 
Are we going to be the kind of disciple that devotes themselves? If you read Acts chapter 2, it talks about the early church devoting themselves out of response to who God is and what he's done. Are we going to be the kind of disciples that devote themselves and experience the blessings that come from that devotion? You have devotion operating inside of you right now. Do you know that? You're like a walking, talking factory of devotion. So it's not, it's, it's not whether or not you're devoted. It's the object. It's the target. It's the aim of your devotion that's in question here. Now, I, I will say this really quickly. I don't want to come across as like, there's all these unhealthy disciples in the room and I'm coming down on you. No, 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 no. You guys, like, you guys are so strong in so many areas. It's beautiful. You spend, a, you spend an hour or two in the life of our community and you see all this beautiful, Christ-like, wonderful, amazing like, things that God's doing in and through you. So don't, please don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. You guys are very strong in many areas. But one area, one aspect of our identity of who we are as Christians that I'm convinced that God is highlighting in this season, I'm telling you this is a turning point, one aspect of our identity, of Christians, identity as Christians that God's highlighting is our identity as a priesthood. That's what we're going to talk about today. Some of you might be going, priesthood, what, is this Catholic, what's happening? Grab your Bible. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. Before we read, I'm gonna pray because we need the spirit of God to really like enlighten our hearts and our minds to what's happening here in God's word. Okay, so will you pray with me? Father, I'm so convinced that we're at this kind of fork in the road moment. I know that I am, I know that our staff is, I know that um, Herrick and I have just, we feel so convinced that you're inviting us into something. You're inviting us into discovering more and more about who we really are. And so Holy Spirit, in humility and independence, we invite you and we ask you to, uh, we ask you to deliver us from distraction. We ask you to deliver us this morning from um, maybe some, some false understandings about you, some false understandings about ourselves, some false understandings about each other, some false understandings about what the church is. Show us the way, Holy Spirit. Point us to Jesus and enlighten us to the reality of who we are becoming. We love you. We're so grateful, Jesus. You're so wonderful. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you, Jesus. We honor you and bless you. And all God's people said, amen. All right, I'm gonna read verses one through 10 to you. Uh, let's do this. First Peter chapter two, starting in verse one, says, therefore, the therefore is in light of everything that he's already said. He's highlighting who God is. He's highlighting what God's done, the gospel, the good news, right? Therefore, Speaking to Christians, rid yourselves, get rid of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. 
Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. How many of us need to grow up continuously? Verse three, if, we're gonna spend, just so you know, we're gonna, spend, we're gonna camp out in 1 Peter 2 for a few weeks at least. Verse three, if you've tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that he's good? Not have you heard about it. Not has somebody told you about it. Have, the, have your spiritual taste buds gone, oh my goodness, he's so good. If you've tasted the Lord's good, good, verse four, as you come to him, a living stone, talking about Jesus, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood. Everybody say holy priesthood. Hold on to that. We're talking about priesthood. Being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. He's gonna, he's gonna quote Isaiah chapter 28 here. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. You builders in the room, the cornerstone's like the, the, the hinge point of a building, of a structure. And the one who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. Verse seven, so honor will come to you who believe, who trust. But for the unbelieving, he's gonna quote another Old Testament passage, Psalm 18, verse 22, he says this, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. And, he's gonna go Isaiah eight here, a stone to stumble over a rock, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you, the you here is the church. The you here is the worshiping family of God. The you here is you and I. Listen to what he says. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I love this verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. All right, I'm not even gonna begin to scratch the surface of the gold and the beauty in these first 10 verses of 2 Peter. We're gonna spend some time in this moving forward. Today, I wanna hone in on what does it mean to be a priesthood? Because hear me, this is part of the identity of the Christian. This is part of the identity of the disciple of Jesus. Hear me, regardless of your age. I see some of you young people in the room. I'm so stoked that you're in here. This is part of who God has created you to be just as much as mom and dad, auntie and uncle, grandma and grandpa. All right, the first thing I wanna chat through about this idea of priesthood. What were priests, okay? Uh, basic understanding of priests. Priests, they oriented their lives around something. Do you know what it was? 
They oriented their lives around ministering to God. Okay? They oriented their lives around ministering to God. If you remember in Exodus, right, the epic story of God through Moses delivering his people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. Incredible story. Read about it. But in Exodus, God installs the priesthood. Bible trivia. Anybody remember whose family it started with? Aaron, yes. So Aaron, which was kind of like Moses' partner, okay? Uh, his right-hand man, his partner in ministry, if you will. Through Aaron's family, his family tree was to be the priests, these people that oriented their lives around ministering to God, around blessing God, okay? So what would that look like? That would look like prayer. And remember, prayer is way more than petition. It's way more than just asking God for things. It certainly involves that. It's even more than talking to God. It certainly involves that. Prayer is engaging with God at all times. You don't ever have to stop. Jesus spoke about in John 15, abide in me. It's this picture of like fellowship, unbroken union. And then out of that flows heavenly spiritual fruit that benefits the people around you, okay? So what did this look like for the priest? It looked like prayer. It looked like worship. It looked like sacrifice. It looked like offerings. Where did this take place? Talk to me. See how much you read your Bible. The temple, absolutely, and the tabernacle. So the temple and the tabernacle, you guys are familiar with these concepts, right? I want you to think that they're, they're basically the same. However, there's one big difference, okay? The tabernacle was like a tent. The temple was a building, so a fixed location, but they served the same purpose, all right? And what, what the tabernacle and the temple, the purpose that it served was, I don't know if you know this, but the, the storyline of the Bible is God's intense pursuit to be present with his people. That's what he wants, like, really bad. <laughs> Words coming out of a goofy guy like me's mouth trying to explain to you the desire with which God wants to be present with you, close to you, like, I can't even do it justice. He wants to be with you. He wants to be present with you. Here's the problem. God's holy. And the ways that we resist him and reject him separate us from him. Not because he's mean and evil, but because his holiness was, would destroy us. <laughs> Not because he's bad, but because he's so good. But you have this, this storyline of the Bible of God going to great lengths to be present with his people without it destroying them. Not because he needs us. I don't know if you know this. Uh, angels have been worshiping him for eternity and they haven't moved on. They've been playing one song. They've been singing one song to him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They haven't stopped from that. That's how glorious he is. He doesn't need us, but he created us to need him. So his installation of the tabernacle, the temple, what those are is, it's what the Bible refers to as a sanctuary. What a sanctuary is, is it's, it's the dwelling place of God. It's where God's manifest presence is housed. Why? Because he wants to be present amongst his people. And sin must be atoned for. So if you read about all the sacrifices and all the blood in the Old Testament, that's what's going on. The wages of sin is death. So for him to be present with his people, it requires sacrifice. It requires blood. And instead of it being the people's, it's the lamb, it's the goat, it's the chicken, it's the cow. Like, 
You get the picture. But all of it boils down to this. It boils down to, down to God's intense desire to be present with his people. So that's the tabernacle slash temple. Again, tabernacle is the mobile tent version. Okay, it's the overlanding version, if you will, versus the temple being that fixed location. Only a couple of you snickered that. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. So the priests, they would minister to God. They would bless God. They would worship, pray, sacrifice, offering, all these things to bless him, to minister to God just because he's worthy, just because he's wonderful, just because he's kind and he's generous and he's faithful. So they would orient their lives around ministering to God at the temple or the tabernacle. I want you to know that the temple and the tabernacle is not because God needs us, it's because he created us to need him. So that means it's his grace. I know none of us have had to deal, you know, we're thousands of years removed from the temple, from the tabernacle, the way that the Israelites experienced it. But that's his grace because he desires to be present with his people, because he knows that we need him. So, these priests, their life was oriented around blessing God, around ministering to God, okay? And I kind of mentioned this before, but that's different than petition. Petition's asking, I'm petitioning God for things, I'm requesting things. There's nothing wrong with requesting things from God. There's invitations over and over in the scriptures. Ask me, ask me. He wants you to ask him. That don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? But I want you to know that, that ministering to God, blessing him is different than petition. It's different than requesting. It's different than asking, okay? As, and again, asking is not bad. This idea of ministering to God, of blessing God, it's different than receiving. God, I need you. I need you to give me I need you to increase my faith. I need you to, I need you to uh, provide financially. I need you to, to give me um, confidence and, and, and less fear. Like requesting things of God, again, not bad whatsoever at all. Needing to receive from him, that's, that's wonderful, but this is different. You with me? Ministering to God, blessing him is different than I need to receive from you, Lord although we all do, and that's a good thing. What this is about, like I said, it's about blessing him. It's about bringing him pleasure. It's about praising him for who he is. Hear me, not because you want something from him, just because he's worthy. Like, if you just stop for a second, I'm gonna shut up for a moment. <laughs> just take a moment and consider how worthy your maker is. Some of you parents in the room, just the taste of this, of like how much you sacrifice for your kids and how much your heart genuinely desires them to go like, thank you, and then times that by a trillion. Because guess what? Like, I'm not a perfect father, man. 
I'm doing my best, but good God, I'm a mess. Because I'm selfish sometimes, you know? I'm, I'm probably the only person in the room who's selfish, but that's fine. Can you just pause for a second and just consider like how worthy he is of your affection, of your attention, of just a little bit of your time, just a little bit of your thought life, you know? I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I say that to set you free. He's worthy. So my... Here's my aim. Here's my goal. Here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I want for us and for you and for me. I want an increase in the revelation of your priestly identity. I want an increase of it being revealed to you that part of who you are as a human being made in the image of God, who he's created you to be part of like, like a transcendent DNA, if you will, like you're part of your truest identity, a big part of it is that you're a priest, part of a priesthood. Priesthood's plural, is it not? Plural, that means it's like a collective, okay? Uh, the band this morning, uh, we want to honor the band. Will you guys stand? I know you got a baby, but if you can, stand up. Uh, band, stand up for a moment. Okay, just stand for a sec. Just keep standing. Chad, where are you at? Chad's gone. He's in the back, okay. Okay. Um, so there's a handful, of, there's four of them, okay? And uh, Jesus is the hero, but I, I just want to take a moment. Like they, they served us this morning, and they're not done serving us this morning. But what, what the band is, is it's a collective of what? Of musicians, yeah. It's a collective of musicians, and many of you, for whatever reason, God has really blessed our, our community with like gifted musicians and singers, and um, it's a beautiful thing. But they're a collective of musicians, Okay? You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Erica, this morning she sang. Mark, this morning, helped lead and play the piano and sang. And Vinny played the cajon, the box drum. Percussive instrument, right? And Chad played the guitar. So they, 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 were, they were a collective of musicians operating in this specific way, each with a unique like, role to play, each with a unique contribution this morning. And the same is true of every, every Sunday morning we gather, every morning that a band serves us and leads us in praise and worship. The band is a collective of musicians. The church, hear me, the church is a collective of priests. It's a priesthood. It's a, we talk about this, the church is a worshiping family. That word worship, it means to ascribe worth, ultimate worth. That's where priests come in. They're worshiping God. They're ministering to God. They're blessing God. They've oriented their lives around doing that in various ways. The church, just like a band is a, is a collective of musicians, the church is a collective of priests. Hear me. Nobody else on the face of the earth, nobody else on the planet can fill your priestly role in ministering to God but you. Talk about purpose, man. Do you know what that means? You are irreplaceable in the priesthood of God. 
Nobody else can offer your act of worship, your, your priestly ministry to God to bless him but you. You matter. You really, really matter. Priests oriented their lives around ministering to God. Okay? So, take a moment and just assess your life. Just kind of like pull out the mirror, take a look, assess your life. In this season, I know we all go through different seasons and it can be really great seasons where you feel like, I feel so close to the Lord. I feel like I'm like firing all cylinders. And then seasons where you're like, I'm drowning. I'm just trying to get above water so I can take a breath. I'm not judging you based on what season you're in. I just want us to be able to pull out our GPS and know where the blue dot is. To get a pulse. What's go, how, where am I at in this season, okay? In this season of your life, assess your life. What would you say your life is oriented around? In other, in other words, what are, the, what are the things that you like that take precedent? What are the things that you're least likely to call in sick for? Maybe it's career, which I'm not, um, again, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, I'm not condemning you if you're, if you're a great employee. <laughs> but is your life oriented around your career? There's a difference. Is it your career? Parents in the room, is it your kids? Life oriented around them. Devotion to God, ministry to God, blessing God. Important, but not as important as my kids. Maybe it's not career, maybe it's not kids. Maybe it's just something simple like food. Like I don't skip meals, man. <laughs> Like my stomach is rumbling, that means everything goes to the side because I'm hangry. Like, here's one. Don't throw anything at me. Use sports. Sports is a huge part of my life growing up. Formed me in, in wonderful ways, beautiful ways, ways that I'm grateful for. Life oriented around it, though, it can be damaging. Entertainment. I work really hard, man. Like, I just need to have some fun. Yeah, great. We all do. God desires you to have fun. He desires you to be at rest. He, does not, he did not create you to have your life oriented around rest. I shouldn't say that. He didn't, have you, he didn't create you to have your life oriented around entertainment. He does desire you to consistently be at rest, to be at rest in him. So whatever it is, just like take a pulse, man. And it changes throughout seasons. Sometimes for me, it's just like, I got, I got ministry's hard, right? It, it really is. Sometimes for me, it's like, I just want to be comfortable for a moment. I, I'm, I'm like, I just need to get through this so that I can come on the other end of it and just have some comfort in my life. For other, other seasons for us, it has been the kids. Fill it in the blank what it is for you in this season, okay? But whatever it is, identify that's the functional center of your life. It's the sun in your solar system, okay? Do you know what the functional center is for the priesthood? Ministering to God. Blessing him. 
not to get anything from him just because he's worthy. Everything else takes a back seat. It doesn't mean we neglect our kids. It doesn't mean we like tick off our bosses because we're like, sorry, I can't come into work today. I'm just ministering to the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that their life was oriented around it. It was number one. Priests orient their lives around ministering to God. It's the functional center. All right, the next thing I want to highlight, maybe the last thing here, is this, and it's the idea that um, the synagogue is a supplement. What do I mean by that? We talked about the tabernacle. We talked about the temple, right? The, the, it's a sanctuary. It's a dwelling place of God. The synagogue is different, all right? <clears throat> the synagogue's totally different than the temple and the tabernacle, right? Temple, tabernacle, the dwelling place of the Lord. It housed his presence so they could be with his people, right? Synagogues were different. Synagogues were scattered kind of all over the place in the Jewish world. So there's a bunch of them. They're scattered all over the place, right? And one of the differences is that the synagogues kind of began operating much later than God's installation of the temple and the tabernacle. So they came along afterwards. Um, Will you throw that slide up for me, Marshall? I want you guys to see this. This is the difference between the synagogue and the sanctuary, the dwelling place of God, the tabernacle, the temple, all right? So the synagogue was primarily a place for teaching the people. The sanctuary was a place for ministering to God. At the center, the centerpiece of the synagogue was the scriptures. Thank God for his word, okay? But the centerpiece of the synagogue was the scriptures. The centerpiece of the sanctuary was God. His presence. Him. At the synagogue, the priority, the priority was education. Praise God for education. The sanctuary prioritized devotion. And finally, the synagogue, believe it or not, was installed by man. The sanctuary installed by God himself. Hear me. The synagogue is not bad. Synagogue is very beneficial. Can be very beneficial. But hear me. It's different than the sanctuary. Um, We've talked about this at length recently about how like where your treasure is, your heart will be also and how both our bank statements and our calendars, they, they reveal what the true priorities are in our lives, right? So how we budget and spend our two most valuable resources, our time and our money, they reveal what our priorities are, all right? What matters most to us, not in theory, but in reality, all right? Hear me. This is where I'm heading with this. The same is true for how we budget our time during this gathering. And I just want to take a moment and I want to apologize to every single one of you in the room.
for allowing Sundays to be treated more like a synagogue and less like a sanctuary. We meet for two hours. And I'm talking for half of it. Hear me. It's not that ministering to God is absent from our Sundays. It's very much a part of what we do. But functionally, if you look at our bank statement of how we spend our time on Sundays, preaching and teaching has become the priority. Inadvertently, but it has nevertheless. Preaching and teaching has become the priority instead of blessing God, instead of ministering to him, instead of the priesthood. And I want you to hear me say it's 100% my fault. But that stops today. The priesthood takes priority over the preaching. So what does that mean? Our time budget for Sundays is changing. Our time budget for, on Sundays is changing. From now on, the majority of our time from this day forward will be dedicated to blessing him. Now, what will that mean practically? It basically just means I'm gonna talk half as much. And that time is gonna be reallocated to just blessing him to just ministering to him just because he's worthy. Not to get something from him. Will we receive? Absolutely. But our objective is not to receive from him. Our objective is just to bless the one who never stops blessing us. To minister the one who always ministers to us just because he's worthy of it. A sanctuary. Way more of a sanctuary less of a synagogue. So what does that look like? That looks like less preaching. More time on the front before the preaching for us to bless God through praise. More time on the back just to bless him, just to minister to him. Guys, what, what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about a shift of mind. It, it, it won't look that much different other than allocating time, but what, what must change is your, your mindset has to shift. It has to shift. There's, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for receiving. There's a time and a place for asking. But the mindset that has to shift is way more this and less of this. There's a time and a place to receive. But the priority is ministering to him. Not because he needs it, but because you and I need it. I don't know if you know this. You and I were created to worship him. When you and I pass from this life to the next, we will stand before God and it will either be, depart from me, I never knew you, or come on in and join the worship party. The celebration of blessing and honoring King Jesus forever, not just with your voice, although that's a huge part of it, but with the entirety of your being. The synagogue isn't bad. Teaching and preaching isn't bad. It's just not the main thing. 
It cannot be the main thing. The priesthood, that's the main thing. Ministering to God, blessing God, that's the main thing. And our, our time budget on Sundays is gonna reflect that moving forward, okay? The synagogue isn't bad, but it's a supplement. The priesthood takes priority over the preaching. Uh, really quickly, some of you might be like, I'm not, I, don't, I don't like this. I'm not a praise and worship guy. I'm much more of a word guy. Like, I want to get into the Bible. We're not ditching the Bible, okay? We're still going to preach out of the scriptures every single time we gather, especially on Sundays. But if you're in that spot where you're like, I don't know about this. I feel kind of weird about this. I don't really like praise and worship. I'm more of a Bible guy. That's probably because you don't understand how your spiritual appetite works. Hear me, spiritual appetite is different than physical appetite. Physical appetite is, I haven't eaten, so my hunger increases, right? I haven't eaten for a day, so I'm really hungry. That's physical appetite. Spiritual appetite works in the exact opposite way. Spiritual appetite goes, the more I consume something, the more I go to something, the more I feast on something, the the more my hunger for it, the more my appetite for it increases. That's where you get addiction. It's a spiritual thing. And you can be addicted to incredibly beautiful things like your maker. Or you can be addicted to things that are just a false God that are gonna let you down. You with me in this? So hear me. Some of you, the reason why you're not a worship guy or girl or you're not a praise person or you don't like to devote yourself in ways that maybe make you feel uncomfortable or other people might look around and judge you is because you've been feasting on spiritual junk food. Ebony talked to me about this uh, this week. She reminded me of this, um, the way that Tim Keller talks about this. He basically says, you know how when you're young, your mom says, hey, don't don't eat all the junk food before dinner. Why? It will spoil your appetite, right? So often we... We spiritually feast on all this junk food and we wonder why our appetite for God is so small. It's because we've ruined our appetite. Because your spiritual appetite functions differently than your physical appetite does. All right, I'm gonna call the band up. I'm gonna close with this. If you're on the prayer team, will you just pause for a second? We just hold back for a little bit. Um, We'll get there in just a second. Okay. Hear me. I'm convinced this is a turning point for our church. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, to the point where I'm so resolved in my spirit, Herrick and I are so resolved in our spirit that even if it meant the church shrunk by half, we would weep, we would cry, it would be awful, it would be terrible, but like, obedience to him and what he's calling us to is is everything. He's worth it, right? I'm convinced this is a turning point for our church. It's a, it's a reorientation. It's a changing of the mind around blessing him so that when you come in here on Sundays, and it, just so you know, we're gonna talk about this more in the weeks to come, but it's not just a Sunday thing, okay? And it's not just the adults in the room thing. It's our children. But it's a reorientation around blessing God, about shifting your mind, Right? embracing our priestly identity. Not just there's expectations on you to behave this way. It's 
so that you're accepted by the community. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking deep stuff. I'm talking the inner woman, the inner man, part of who you are. And hear me, and training our children. Do you realize how powerful the culture around us is? The culture is coming, hear me, hear me. The culture's coming at your children to try to convince them of who they are and that who gets to determine who they are is them instead of their maker, instead of their creator, instead of their father, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that their, their role in the priesthood, it can't, it's irreplaceable. So my question is this, I want, I want every single one of us to be able to answer why we're here on Sundays the exact same way. Like, why are you here on Sundays? God's word? Yeah. Why are you here on Sundays? To see each other? Yeah. Absolutely. To be encouraged? Yeah. 100%. To serve each other? Yes. To receive? Yeah. But hear me. All of that is secondary. All of that's supplemental. Imagine if a person like rarely ate real food, but they, but they digested a ton of supplements. So they just skipped real food and they were like, but I got my protein powder. I got all my vitamin pills. I don't eat real food. I, I eat this. How healthy would that person be? Supplements aren't bad but they can never be the main course. Here's what I believe. I believe God's flipping the script. I believe he's flipping the script. Supplements are no longer the main course. He is. Ministering to him is. Blessing him is. Because we were made to worship him, friends. Why? Just because he's worthy. Just because he's worthy. So the answer to the question, why are you here? I'm here to bless God. Why are you here? I'm here to bless God. Why do you come on Sundays? I'm here to bless God. Little child, five years old, why do you and your family go to Sunday gather? I'm there to bless God. Because he's worthy. He cares for me. He knows me. He loves me. He's forgiven me. He's empowered me. He's given his spirit to live inside of me. To make the choice that Jesus would make if he was me. Why are you here? To bless God. Why are you here? To bless God. Why are you here? To bless God. To minister to him because he's worthy. That's the answer to the question. That's the only answer to the question. The other things are supplemental. Yes, they'll happen. Yes, we'll be grateful. Yes, it will be wonderful. All that stuff, all that beautiful uh, stuff that's happening in our community, none of that's changing. It's just not the main course. You with me? The main course is him. Why are you here? I'm here to bless God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you. 
we thank you, Spirit of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're in one of those seasons where you're like, dude, I don't even know who I am anymore. My life is busy and hard and painful and frustrating. And you're like, I feel like I'm losing a part of myself. Can I just remind you of what God says through his word? You're a holy priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. You're a priest. It's part of your identity. It's part of who I've made you to be. Not because I need something from you. But because you need something. The something is a someone. His name is Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. If you're in a spot where you're like, you know what, I'm down. I'm down. I'm, I'm up for, I should say. I'm up for embracing my priestly identity. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. First Samuel talks about how man sees the outside, but God sees the heart. So hear me, friend. God sees your heart in this moment. He sees your desire for him in this moment. To the degree that you desire him and to the degree that you don't want to look like the only person not standing in the room. But he sees you and he knows you and he loves you and he has grace for you. He has mercy for you. We're gonna to get to that in second in first, first Peter chapter two. But if you find yourself in this season, you're like, I'm I'm ready. I want to embrace my priestly identity. Here's what I want you to do: I want you to close your eyes. You're on your feet. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to invite the Spirit of God to communicate to you what he deserves. Spirit, speak to us now. Ask him, God, what do, you, what do you deserve from me? The one who left the comforts of heaven in passionate pursuit of everything that you are. The one who willingly laid down his life. Who shed his blood because you were worth it to him. Your freedom, the one who delivered you from darkness into his marvelous light. That one, what does he deserve? What is he worth from you? Not from anybody else in the room, not from the person that you wish was in the room, from you, from his child. God, what would be pleasing to you? Would it be, would it be, an, offer of, would it be an offering of my attention? Would it be an offering of my time? Would it be an offering? Would I surrender my will? There's five love languages according to an author. Everyone has like love languages. I wrote them down this morning. Words of affirmation, 
acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. You, got, you guys want to know what God's love language is? All five. Holy Spirit, our desire is to step into our priestly identity, a priesthood, a collective of priests who orient their lives around ministering to you, blessing you, not to get anything from you, but just because you're worthy. Let the simple things that maybe we've gone through the motions for, singing, standing, uh, like let, our, let, let all these things, let them be, let them be um, infused with passion moving forward. Let them be infused with devotion just to for you. We're not looking to get something from you. We're looking to bless you because you're worthy. Do this work in us, Lord Jesus, I pray. For your glory and for our good. Amen. All right, here's what we're gonna do. For the next 20 minutes or more, the band's gonna serve us. They're going to provide a space and an environment where you can bless God. Bless him with your thoughts. Bless him with your mouth, with your words. Thinking's different, different than speaking. Speaking's different than singing. Praise him with the entirety of your being, the ways that he desires from you. Maybe you can set fear aside. Maybe you can choose fear of God over fear of man and see what God might do. See the ways that he might satisfy the deepest cravings, hungers, appetites in your heart. I love you very much. Lead us, guys. Bless us. And then Herrick, come up to pastor us and close us in a bit.